It's Monday, May 1st. I'm Trayvale Anderson. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day, where we are thrilled to be the very first to report that Jason Derulo has fallen down the stairs of the Met Gala. <laughs> that man will never know peace <laughs> at <laughs> really any never. event that has stairs. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry to this man. <laughs> On today's show, federal regulators will weigh the fate of another regional bank. Plus, the government is reportedly scaling back on its own drug screening rules to entice more young workers. Yes, because, you know, the young workers like to puff puff pass, honey. (laughs) All right. Exactly. But first, the legislative fuckery in Republican-led state legislatures continues. The last few weeks especially, we've brought y'all a number of stories about how conservatives are working overtime to not only legislate and spread hate, but to try and silence those opposing them. So late last week, Montana became the latest state to ban or restrict gender-affirming health care for trans young people. This is the legislation that Representative Zoe Zephyr, the state's first trans lawmaker, was censured for, saying its supporters would have blood on their hands if they passed it, and they did it anyway. And then I'm sure we all remember the racist shit show that was Tennessee Republicans voting to expel Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, two black Democrats, over their protests on the chamber floor against gun violence, though Jones and Pearson were reinstated by officials in the districts they represent. It's just amazing to watch how these lawmakers continue to show up so passionate about what they believe in, in the face of hatred from the same body, the same place that they show up to work every single day. It's wild to even think about. And you know, as a church queen, because the indoctrination runs very deep over here, honey, I've been saying that it's giving David versus Goliath or Daniel in the lion's den type energy because of the scale of foolishness that these elected officials are up against. Truly. But I want to introduce to some and present to others another elected official who is fighting back. I'm standing up against hate and you're standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder with hate. That is the voice of Nebraska State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh. She represents the state's 6th district and has been standing also firmly in the way of her Republican colleagues who want to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth in the state by filibustering every single bill that comes to the floor. She said a number of weeks ago that she would, quote, burn this session to the ground, and baby, she is doing just that. In fact, when I had the chance to chat with Senator Michaela Kavanaugh, late last week, we caught her literally minutes after she and her colleagues narrowly blocked a six-week abortion ban from advancing, ensuring that the medical procedure remains legal in Nebraska. I started by asking her about the response she's received from her constituents and colleagues since she set out on this path of filibustering everything that comes to the floor. From my constituents, it's been a huge amount of support. I am constantly being approached by people thanking me, people in law enforcement thanking me, people in healthcare thanking me, parents, kids, teenagers thanking me, which is just really overwhelming. But it also helps to know that this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and why I am here. My colleagues are not thanking me quite so much. <laughs> I am standing in the way. Well, I let me rephrase that. I am not standing in the way. They are standing in the way mm-hmm. of their bills moving forward because of their vote on LB 574, the anti-gender affirming care bill. I am just 
enforcing them a little bit on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have passed, I think now we're up to three bills. We are trucking along to the end quickly and have not passed much legislation. Yeah, I love that reframing that they're standing in the way of you all getting stuff done because they could be better. I know that you've been, you know, reading and exploring a variety of like, you know, things as you've been filibustering. Could you tell us about some of those things you've been reading or saying to kind of fill the hours of the debate? I understand that you've killed a time talking about your favorite Girl Scout cookies or the plots to animated movies that your kids might be watching. Like, how do you go about deciding what to talk about on any given day? You know, I wing it a lot. So (laughs) I try as much as I can to stay on the topic of the bill But if you're spending eight hours on a bill and it's one page long, that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I'm in that kind of position, once I run out of content that is relevant to the bill, I just talk about whatever strikes my fancy at the moment. I have an ongoing conversation with myself about the Oxford comma (laughs) and the controversy over it or whether you should use it or not use it. I also really like to talk about salad. I don't know how I got onto it, but I talk about (laughs) salad a lot for some reason. I love that. You mentioned already that like some people have like criticized you for this particular strategy. They say that you're standing in the way of like getting things done and even bills that like you might support, you know, the quote unquote good ones. I first want to hear kind of your response just to that idea that like you're blocking everything, but also why it's important to not only just filibuster the quote unquote bad bills, but also the good ones. Yeah, well, my strategy is to slow everything down to create pressure points and essentially a sense of urgency over is this really the bill that is most important to the legislature? And if it is, then you shouldn't care about not getting anything passed. Mm. If this bill, if this hate-filled, anti-gender-affirming care bill is the priority of the legislature, then fine. Let's not pass anything else. That's my point. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, bills that I like, bills that I think are really worthwhile, might have suffered because of this. But at the end of the day, If we allow this bill to pass, we are legislating hate. We are legislating just another human rights and civil rights violation into our statute. I think that there's nothing more important than stopping that from happening. Yeah, you know, I wonder if you think that this strategy is something that perhaps other Democrats in other states They're going through the exact same thing. They're, you know, Republican-led state legislatures are passing or attempting to pass these exact same type of bills there. I wonder if you think this is a strategy that others could or perhaps should kind of consider for themselves. Well, I do push back on it being a strategy for Democrats. Mm -hmm. I think that this is something that everyone should be fighting against. And everyone, no matter your political affiliation, should be using every tool in your toolkit. Every state's legislatures are different. Whatever tools you have in your toolkit, you should be using them to stand up against civil rights and human rights violations. And you don't need to be a Democrat to do that. Mm. You need to be a decent human being Mm -hmm. and you need to be a good policymaker and you need to do what you were sent there to do, which is stand up for the most vulnerable people and legislating this type of vitriol is not what anybody was sent to do. Absolutely. I love that you said that. 
as I mentioned, you know, state legislatures across the country are battling over anti-trans legislation. Over in Montana, as I'm sure you've heard, Republicans have censured Representative Zoe Zephyr for the rest of their legislative session because of her opposition to a similar gender-affirming care ban for trans youth. I wonder kind of just what was your reaction to that news, especially knowing that she's opposing a very similar bill to the one that you're trying to block. I think it is horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't even know that I have the words to describe it. In the Nebraska legislature several weeks ago, one of my colleagues filed a motion to censure me for similar words spoken, and a vote has still not been taken on it, which I'm very grateful for. But there's been attempts here to silence me. And so Mm -hmm. I understand what that could potentially be like. And so I feel awful for Representative Zeffler. And, you know, she's doing an amazing job. I follow her on her social media. I saw her just sitting out in the lobby area. She's continuing to show up for her constituents, regardless of what others do to try to minimize her voice and minimize the voice of her constituents. But at the end of the day, this is about democracy. When we see things like this happening to Representative Zeffler, this is an assault on democracy. She is an elected official who is there to represent a population of people. You don't have to like what she has to say, but she's still there to represent them. And it's not for the legislatures to squash her voice because they're squashing her constituents' voices. Mm-hmm, absolutely. The gender affirming care ban that you're trying to block is now in its you know, final round of voting. During debate over the bill, your colleague, Senator Megan Hunt, opposed the measure because it would prevent her trans child from getting the care that he needs. And recently we saw on social media that an attorney has filed a complaint against her alleging that, you know, there's a conflict of interest because of her child's identity From the outside looking in, this seems very absurd and foolish to me. What was your reaction to that news? It is absurd and it is foolish. And to call that gentleman an attorney is probably a generous term and a disservice (laughs) to the entire profession. It was a frivolous thing to do and any self-respecting Attorneys are members of the court, really, and they have a duty to not do things like this. So I think it's very egregious that that happened. The number of things that are actual conflicts of interest in the Nebraska legislature that should be filed are not what's being taken up, but Mm -hmm. instead the fact that Senator Hunt has a transgender child, and that's just harassment. It's an attack on her. It's an assault on her child, and no one should stand for it. You've been at this filibustering for a few weeks now. I am nine, sure. Nine. Not, <laughs> whew, my Lord, today. Nine weeks. That is a very long time. I imagine, and I know you've said in other interviews that it is, you know, mentally and emotionally tiring. I'd love to know before I let you go, what has kept you going all these weeks? What is encouraging you to push past the exhaustion to still show up and to still kind of execute this plan? Well, really, the thing that started it, (laughs) the thing that keeps me going, the purpose of it all is that trans kids matter, (laughs) that they need to see their elected officials fighting for them, not fighting against them. And I can't fail them. Even if I am not able to stop this bill, I need to know that I have done everything in my power to stand up for trans kids because they matter. 
They are important and they are loved. There are days where I do not want to get out of bed and come here and talk for 14 hours or however many hours. But I know that if I don't, that they're going to get hurt. So I do. That was my conversation with Nebraska State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh, wishing her and her colleagues continued success in blocking hate in the Cornhusker State. And that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. The search continues in Texas for a man accused of fatally shooting five of his neighbors, including an eight-year-old boy, Friday night. The attack happened in the rural town of Cleveland, about 45 minutes north of Houston. It was reportedly touched off after a neighbor asked the 38-year-old suspect to stop shooting an AR-15 rifle in his yard so his baby could sleep. The suspect then opened fire into the neighbor's home before he fled the scene. As of our record time Sunday evening, authorities are still looking for the suspect himself and have offered a combined $80,000 reward for any tips leading to his arrest. Meanwhile, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is once again doing the least to care about another mass shooting in his state. In his first tweet about the attack on Sunday, Abbott said the suspect was in the country, quote-unquote, illegally, and even referred to the five victims as, quote, illegal immigrants. Investigators say the victims were originally from Honduras, but haven't said anything about their immigration status. Because, seriously, Priyanka, why the hell does that even matter? Yeah, um, you know the expression beside the point? Mm -hmm. Um, This is, like, on a completely different planet than the point. It makes no sense. Doesn't have a place in this conversation, I don't think. And an update from Sudan, where fighting continues between two rival military forces, despite both sides agreeing to extend a ceasefire for 72 more hours. The weeks-long battle between the Sudanese military and the paramilitary group known as the Rapid Support Forces, or RSF, has led to hundreds of deaths and thousands more people injured. The death toll includes a dozen health workers, leading several aid agencies to evacuate their personnel. And according to the World Health Organization, two-thirds of the hospitals in Khartoum, the nation's capital, have closed down. The Red Cross organized an aircraft to deliver eight tons of medical aid and supplies to hospitals on Sunday, which is expected to treat more than 1,000 people. Also on Sunday, the United States organized a second convoy in Port Sudan, bringing the total number of evacuated Americans to nearly 1,000 since the violence broke out. Meanwhile, Sudanese civilians remain trapped with diminishing supplies and tens of thousands of others have escaped the violence and fled to neighboring countries. A handful of big banks have reportedly placed bids to take over First Republic Bank, which could become the third major American bank to fail in less than two months. According to multiple outlets, the FDIC closed bidding by midday Sunday, with prospective buyers including PNC Financial Services and J.P. Morgan Chase, though the winning bidder wasn't announced by the time we went to record the show at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Sunday. But in the words of YG, basically, big bank, take little bank. Love that for them. Truly. The San Francisco-based lender is the latest mid-sized regional bank to run into trouble since the demise of Silicon Valley Bank. Just last week, First Republic said that its customers have pulled out more than $100 billion in deposits in the first quarter alone, sending its already battered stock price into a tailspin. To give you a sense of how bad it is, in February, shares of First Republic were trading at around $147. Right now, they're closer to $3.50, which is super different. Yeah. (laughs) 
All of this comes despite the fact that First Republic received a $30 billion lifeline from nearly a dozen other banks shortly after the SVB fiasco. Yeah, that is the especially wild part to me. It's like they stepped up and did something that is so... I think unique and not Mm -hmm. what you typically see in this industry. And it still wasn't enough. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. As the federal government looks to younger candidates to replace its aging workforce, drug screening rules are looking to get a little chiller. Currently, federal job applicants in the United States are required to disclose their drug use over the past seven years. But under new rules proposed by the Biden administration, that time frame would be brought down to just five years. And applicants would only be required to abstain from using marijuana for 90 days before submitting their application. Some federal agencies have already rolled back their drug use restrictions. Just last year, the CIA started telling applicants that they only needed to refrain from cannabis for 90 days as opposed to their previous one-year rule. And many federal officials have stated that they don't believe recreational marijuana use should disqualify candidates looking to work for the government. Still, don't expect to see the term 420 friendly on these job postings anytime soon. Federal employees are still banned from using marijuana once hired, even in states that have legalized the drug. But with polls showing that a majority of Americans have tried cannabis, scaling back drug use restrictions would make these jobs much more accessible. The Biden administration is expected to propose the rule change later this year. I'm sure uh, the crazies over at Fox and like wherever else they hang out now that Tucker Carlson isn't there um, (laughs) are going to take that super well. But I feel like it's just a good move to like get normal people working in the government. I mean, also, let's be real. We know plenty of federal workers who are doing a lot harder doing much worse than some marijuana okay than some reefer as my granny used to call it (laughs) um so i'm gonna need them to calm down you know madison cawthorn blew the lid off that one never to be heard (laughs) from again just pointing that one out so yeah this seems uh relatively harmless in comparison (laughs) absolutely and those are the headlines we'll be back after some ads to recap all the well-meaning cringe of the white house correspondence dinner What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com store to shop. It's Monday, Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we are talking about the White House event that boldly asks, what if the press had a Golden Globes with no awards? The annual White House Correspondents' Dinner came and went this past Saturday, hosted by The Daily Show's Roy Wood Jr. As part of his duties, Wood took aim at Washington politics. In a joke about France's recent retirement age protests, he quipped, 
Meanwhile, in America, we have an 80-year-old man begging us for four more years of work. While the night has long stood as a celebration of the free press, plenty of non-journalists were also among the 2,600 or so guests in attendance. Julia Fox was there. She posed for a picture with Chuck Schumer, of all people. The Property Brothers did some light sketch comedy. And even Bravo's own Lisa Vanderpump showed up on the red carpet. Truly a a who's who (laughs) got over there. The night wasn't all fun and games, though, as Saturday's event saw strong calls for the release of the wrongfully detained American journalists Evan Gerskovich in Russia and Austin Tice in Syria. As is tradition, President Biden stood and delivered some jokes at the top of the show, poking fun at DeSantis and Trump, Rupert Murdoch, and of course, himself. Before handing the podium over to Roy Wood Jr., he left the crowd with this. I'm going to uh, turn this over to Roy. Roy... The podium is yours. I'm going to be fine with your jokes, but I'm not sure about dark branding. Oh, God. So, Trayvall, I ask you this, though I feel like we've already answered. Is dark branding officially over now? Oh, it's been over. It's been <laughs> It has been over, okay? I'm glad that, you know, he wants to signal that he's hip, you know? He's with he, the times. He knows what's going on. He knows what they're on. talking about yes. on the internet. <laughs> and I love that for him. I will also just note that my favorite joke that Roy Wood Jr., said he was talking about erasure and he said something to the effect of like you know black people only like erasure when it involves clarence thomas and i thought that was hilarious (laughs) what about you priyanka what did you think um so dark brandon on that topic yes certainly over our producer told us that they're making merch Mm, now mm -hmm. i didn't know if they were doing that previously but that is I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> they all start out as sweet internet trends, and then they are like, "Ugh, I hate that." It's disgusting <laughs> to me. But no, to be honest, I really kind of did not tune into very much of this year's recap. Maybe I have to like refresh and watch it, and like actually see who was on that red carpet and what outfits they wore. I've kind of unsubscribed this year, but maybe it's time to tune back in. Maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't think you missed anything. (laughs) You didn't miss much. That's kind of what I was thinking, you know? I was like, "Mm, do I really care? Anyways, just like that, we have checked our temps. We weren't invited. I don't know why. We correspond regularly. So I'll tune in when I'm invited. Can my temperature be salty? Because that's how I feel. (laughs) That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, let your federal employees chill out, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the always confusing Met Gala theme statement like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And, and happy, happy International, International Workers, Workers Day. Day. Yes, all support to the workers, always. I have nothing more to add. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Retweet. What's the blue sky version of that? Is it called re-skeeting? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) shit, shit. Sorry. (laughs) Never mind.
What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla, and Raven Yamamoto is our associate producer. Jossie Kaufman is our head writer, and our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. <laughs> <laughs> 